Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Well, good morning, friends. Pro-Life Leader Frank Pavone here, National Director of Priests for Life, coming to you live on this Labor Day. Thank you for joining me. We are going to look at the uh, scriptures. We are going to look at the meaning of today, uh, Labor Day, in the light of the scriptures. We are going to rejoice in the freedom that we have to cooperate with the Creator in the development of His creation. That's what work is. It is a, uh, an aspect of human dignity. It is an aspect of our discipleship of the Lord. It's an aspect of loving God and loving neighbor. And it's a way that we serve Him and work out our salvation. So welcome uh, to this particular broadcast. And let's put ourselves in the presence of the Lord. As always, you can leave your, your uh, prayer requests in uh, the comments. And we'll all pray for, uh, for one another. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, we praise you on this day. We give you thanks that you have given us life, that you have given us the ability to collaborate with you in giving life, defending life, raising children, and bringing about in the world the work that you want to accomplish through us, manifesting the creativity of your spirit, manifesting the wisdom and intelligence that is found in you, showing forth the ways that we can serve and enhance the lives of all our brothers and sisters. Enable us to always appreciate the dignity of work. Enable us to always be faithful to the work that is part of our vocation. Enable us also to glorify you, as Scripture tells us, in everything that we say and do, ascribing all glory to you in the name and through the power of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now this is a reading from the Gospel according to Luke. Jesus came to Nazareth where he had grown up and went, according to his custom, into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. He stood up to read and was handed a scroll of the prophet Isaiah. He unrolled the scroll and found the passage where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring glad tidings to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, and to proclaim a year acceptable to the Lord. Rolling up the scroll, he handed it back to the attendant and sat down. And all the eyes in the synagogue were looking intently at him. He said to them, Today, this scripture passage is fulfilled in your hearing. Well, brothers and sisters, this is a day that we celebrate here in the United States of America uh, going back uh, to the late 1800s when it began to be observed in various states. started in New York, actually. It started by workers having to go on strike in order to 
uh, bring attention to uh, the importance of respect for workers and for the conditions of their, of their labor. But the day eventually became a holiday in various states and then a national holiday and one that we preserve to this day because work is not only essential to our way of life as a society, not only is it, is it right and proper that we encourage one another and thank those who make sure our groceries are stocked in the stores and that our furniture and our computers are delivered from one city to another, those who are driving the trucks, those who are working the, the manufacturing machinery, those that are paving our roads and building our buildings and, and maintaining our electrical grid and, and, and maintaining our plumbing and we could go on and on and all the, all the ordinary work that so many uh, of you watching today uh, are doing day by day and it, it may be more uh, office work. Uh, again, all of it essential, valuable for the way that our life progresses. And of course, this is not just true in the United States. We always welcome our international uh, viewers and uh, the same is true. Uh, there where you live as well. And not only is it essential for our civic life, it's, as I referred to in the prayer, a religious and spiritual reality that work is one of the ways we express in our day-to-day -day activity that we're made in the image and likeness of God. You know, that phrase, which is at the core of our pro-life convictions, means a lot of different things. And one of those things is that just as God has dominion over all creation, and in fact is the source of that creation, only of God the scripture use the verb create. We can make things, but anything we make, like the cameras and, uh, by which I'm transmitting this broadcast to you now, or the devices on which you are watching it, or the desk that I have here in front of me, anything that we make, we have to start with pre-existing materials, the raw materials, to which we then apply our skills in crafting whatever we need. But for God, creation is out of nothing. God alone can create, and He does so freely, and He does so out of love. But this is where we are in the image of God. We're not identical to Him. Only God is God. But the fact that we can create, the fact that we can produce, the fact that we can invent things, the fact that by our labor we can end up with products that serve and help one another and enhance and protect our lives, we are, in, we are reflecting God. We are acting in His image and likeness. Jesus has a lot of teachings about work. A lot of parables about diligence. Remember the parables of the talents where the master entrusts the talents to people and then he goes off on a journey and when he comes back he wants to see what they made. He wants to see what they did. This goes back, of course, to, to the Old Testament's um, song of the vineyard in Isaiah 5. The Lord plants a vineyard and he wants to see fruit. And he laments that it yielded bitter fruit. Now there are all kinds of spiritual fruits that he's looking for. But the Lord praises the hard work, the ingenuity, the creativity, the diligence 
of natural work. The rights of workers are to always be protected, and that's something that is at the heart of the Labor Day celebration, as it is at the heart of public policy. Because again, it ties into a spiritual teaching about human dignity. Human beings are never to be considered a means to an end. Of course, human beings help to accomplish different ends, and people can contract with them to use their help. But that's not the same thing as defining the meaning and value of a human being as a means to an end. The human person is an end in and of himself or herself. In other words, put another way, economies exist for human persons. Human persons do not exist for economies. Remember when Jesus said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath? Reflects the same thing. The state was created for human beings, not human beings for the state. The state belongs to people. People don't belong to the state. Government exists for people to serve them. People don't exist to serve government. And on and on it goes. I want to read some words that President Reagan wrote for Labor Day celebration back when, uh, when he was in office. And they summarize nicely the spirit of this particular day. We salute working people because they have built our land with skill, energy, and resourcefulness, transforming raw materials into a shining edifice of freedom and prosperity. On Labor Day, we recognize these achievements and reflect on the meaning and dignity of work and on the values it protects and strengthens. The values we as a nation hold most dear. In both peacetime and time of war, American workers have always offered each other and the world their very best, affirming their liberty as individuals and as members of a team and promoting the ideals of free enterprise and democracy here and around the globe. That's a beautiful summary. And you see how it ties into the reading that I proclaimed for you from Luke. Jesus defined his very mission as bringing liberty, bestowing freedom upon his people. And in practice, what that freedom means is not only that we seek, find, and worship God according to our conscience without restraint from others or from the state, religious freedom, freedom in the right to life because you can't be free if you're killed in the womb, and freedom also economically, that we're able to possess private property. That's essential for liberty. You know, in our declaration it says that we have the right to life. Again, without that we can't have anything else. Liberty, the freedom to be who we are and live as we must live and choose to live. And then the pursuit of happiness. Not happiness itself, but the pursuit of it. We all need to have the equal opportunity to pursue happiness. Well, you can't pursue happiness if you can't own anything. And it's the fact that we can own things. 
again, free from government prohibition or interference, that makes the work that we have done, and again, I welcome all our, our international visitors, but on this particularly American holiday, I want to focus on the contributions America has made to the world because we have embraced this concept of freedom, which is a Christian concept, and thanks to it, applied in the economic world, applied in the world of labor, we have produced in America more inventions for the world than any other nation, inventions that have completely changed and improved our lives. And I'm going to give you a few examples. It's helpful for us to sit back and think, what was the energy, what was the creativity, what was the drive that motivated people to use their skills to invent these things? Well, for one thing, of course, many inventors are are motivated by the same thing we're all motivated by in, in, our, in our life of Christian discipleship, and that's service. Service of God, giving back to Him by fruitful service, the gifts that He has given us, the intelligence, the strength, the creativity, the perseverance, the hard work, love of neighbor, the desire to create a better world for our fellow citizens and for our posterity. And there's another motivation, too. And a motivation which we can understand is, is trampled upon and extinguished by regimes that want to redistribute your wealth to everybody else. Now, obviously, we're called to be generous. Obviously, God gives the goods of the world for everybody to enjoy. But we do have the right to private property. We do have the right to the fruits of our own labor. This is seen in Scripture as well. And so if somebody is told that no matter how hard they work, no matter what toil they might endure to create and invent something new, which is going to serve countless people in many different ways and bring in a whole lot of revenue, that that revenue, that that produce from their hard work is then going to be taken from them. It doesn't really belong to them. It belongs to the state, and the government is going to take it and redistribute it to everybody else, redistribute it to people who haven't put in the toil and the hard work and the sacrifice. Well, that takes away a lot of the motivation, doesn't it? What are you going to work hard for if the fruits of your hard work are going to be taken away from you and not benefit you in the end as, hey, this is mine? But the fact that we have a system, and, and, and uh, President Reagan's remarks here uh, reflect it when he talks about the ideals of free enterprise. Yeah, we're, not, we're not looking for uh, the government to give us all the things we need. They play a very limited role in maintaining order and security in our lives. But free enterprise that we are all, by our God-given dignity, by the gifts He gives us, by the hard work we do, all of us having the opportunity, playing by the same rules, working hard, to enjoy then the fruits of our labor and to have the satisfaction that we have created something that's helping other people, that's at the essence of liberty. The United States of America has always encouraged innovation, the entrepreneurial spirit, 
science. And as a result, this has been the birthplace of some of the greatest inventions in history. The electric light bulb, the telephone, the airplane, the internet, microchips and lasers, cell phones, refrigerators, email, the microwave, the personal computer, LCD displays, air conditioning, the assembly line, the supermarket, the barcode, and we could go on all morning. American inventions. I have come to bring liberty to the captives. We are made in the image and likeness of God who invented the whole universe, who manifested His wisdom and His love in creating things by which we can know Him, love Him, serve Him. And so made in that image of God, we are free and we can be motivated and we can invent and we can make things and we can push forward on the boundaries of human knowledge and of the improvement of life for ourselves, for our fellow citizens, for our posterity. Let it be so. And it's not just the physical kinds of inventions like the light bulb and the tel telephone and the computer and the cell phone. It's the creativity of ideas and literary expressions and music and art and mathematical formulas, scientific formulas. All of this is part of our creativity as well and spiritual exercises and reflections and techniques and methods and programs. I think of the creativity of one of the members of our own pastoral team here, uh, Dr. Teresa Burke. Many of you know her. The creativity that God gave to her to be able to come up with Rachel's Vineyard, to combine the psychological insights that she has and the research with the power of the Word of God and the sacraments of the church to create a retreat program which has brought healing from the wounds of abortion to hundreds of thousands of people. And then that creativity led to the creation of Grief to Grace, a program by which people are healed from the wounds of sexual abuse. And then that gave rise, again, by turning to the Lord in liberty and freedom and saying, I'm going to use my gifts. That gave rise to the creation of a, of a healing program called Duty to Heal, which helps our brothers and sisters who are combat veterans to heal from the wounds brought about through that. We thank you, Lord, for the freedom. 
We thank you for the freedom that you give us. We thank you for public policies that increase our motivation and not stifle it, that reaffirm our right to our own, the fruits of our own labor, not crush them. And we thank you, Lord, that we are able to encourage one another by, the means, by means of this special observance today. May we always be grateful for those who do work that enables our lives to advance. May we always be grateful to the, for the opportunity to contribute to that work, and may we always see work as an expression of you and of the image of yourself that you have placed in us. We pray now as Jesus has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray to our Heavenly Mother. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Well, friends, tomorrow is the feast of Mother Teresa of Calcutta, another person who appreciated hard work and creativity and freedom. I want to say the prayer here, too, that we've been saying during this novena leading up to Mother Teresa's special day. I, you know I was privileged to know her and receive her guidance and advice for this ministry that I'm carrying out to this day, this pro-life work. And you can find this prayer at prayercampaign.org. By the way, when you go there, you can also have the opportunity to tell us about the impact Mother Teresa had on, on your own life. But let's pray uh, here in, um, uh, in, in thanksgiving for Mother Teresa. Father of life, you always defend the poor and the oppressed. In St. Teresa of Calcutta, you raised up a voice for the voiceless and a friend to the poorest of the poor, the unborn child. She brought women away from the despair of abortion clinics to the hope of a loving community that cared for her and her child. She spoke the truth to men and women of power, asking them how we could tell people not to kill one another while allowing a mother to kill her own child. Father, as we honor this humble and faithful woman, we ask you to give us the grace to follow her example. May we be bold in word and generous in action to love and serve the unborn and to awaken our world to know, as St. Teresa of Calcutta said, that the greatest destroyer of love and peace is abortion. Fill us with love, bring us peace, and let us share your life forever. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. One final note, uh, this coming Saturday is the National Day of Remembrance, an observance I founded by calling people to pray at the grave sites of aborted babies. Go to rememberabortedchildren.org for more information on that. And You'll be able to see the different sites where services are being held and either go to those services or within um, your own privacy, uh, your own home, uh, take some time to reflect and pray and read about 
the stories of how so many of these babies were were found, the bodies found, and and then after the abortion industry had dishonored them, we in turn honored them, reverencing their bodies and reminding the world of the violence that killed them. National Day of Remembrance, this Saturday, September 9th. God bless you, friends. Have a great Labor Day, and we will talk to you soon. Hello, this is Father David Begany. Like many priests, I am inspired and always learning from the Ministry of Priests for Life, which is one of the largest and most visible pro-life organizations in the world. This ministry relies on your financial support to be able to do its work, produce its programs, and travel the world to advocate for the unborn. May I ask you to support Priests for Life generously? Go today to prolifegift.org and give as generous a gift as you can. Thank you so much, and be assured of our daily prayers for you. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.